2: Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today are good friends of the show, Mr. Amadou So, as well as Dan Galinsky. Amadou, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
2: Great, man. (laughs) I just, anytime the Cavs are playing outside of their minds the way they have been lately, I couldn't be in a better mood. Dan, how how you doing, man?
1: All good, Mac. Uh, Thanks, as always, for having us on, and... Yeah, it's just good to see these uh, streaks kind of pile up here.
2: It is. We haven't been able to really say this over the past couple of seasons, have we? I mean, no. Of course, there's been spurts where where good basketball has been played. Uh, we had some of that last season, but never to the effect that it has this year. It just the entire the feel of the entire roster, the entire team, just feels completely different. And we've only made a couple of roster additions. It's it's uncanny. So, with that being said, I guess that's a great segue into my first question for you fellows. And so, we know we've gotten a lot of rumblings about potential moves possibly coming, you know, with the trade deadline in the forefront of things in, in regards to Cavs uh, Cavs fans' minds. So, you know, one of the biggest names that's being thrown out there right now for the Cavs is one Karis LeVert. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this one to you first. I want your honest opinion on this. One is Karis Levert worth acquiring and two, what would you feel
0: comfortable giving up to acquire his services? Um, I'm just going to say this about Karis Levert. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I, I, I mean, he's shown spurts every now and then, but I feel like he's just an an inefficient wing that also is not very reliable. He's always hurt and he's already 27 years old. Um, in terms of acquiring him, I feel like since the pitchers want to reset, they're going to ask for a lot, probably something centered around maybe a Chloro and with the way he's been playing lately and his potential. I don't know if I'm ready to make that type of move yet. Uh, um, and also, I'm, I'm thinking about his fit on the team because he is sort of kind of like a ball stopper, you know, I have to imagine how much efforts he put towards defense, because, I mean, we talked about our defense now, the, the main guys are, of course, Allen, Mobley, and Okoro. So bringing out Okoro, putting him in Levert, I'm not sure I'm willing to make that move, especially with the way that the team has been playing as played.
2: That's fair. I think for me, in regards to Karras LaVert, I kind of just, I've been checking out, you know, his stat lines from this season. I haven't paid too much attention to the Pacers games this season but I will tell you this his stat line suggests that he's taking the you know a, a very similar amount of field goal attempts to Colin Sexton and so okay. isn't that what Cleveland's fan base is wanting to get away from you know one one player that's taking the lion's share of field goal attempts more shared basketball things of that nature I don't know at least that's that's my assumption on it Uh, But Dan, I'm going to throw the same question to you, man. How would you feel about acquiring uh, Karis LeVert and what would you feel comfortable giving up to get him?
1: Yeah, I'm with Amadou. I just think, I mean, LeVert's a nice player. I'm not dying that. Um, But is that really a guy that is necessarily a, I mean, I wouldn't say he's like the biggest spacing presence, um, is more of, Kind of an on ball guy as well. Um, kind of a, a guy that's going to want the ball in his a lot. Um, as Amadou said, is already 27. Um, he's had a number of injuries throughout his career. Um, that, that's unfortunately always going to be a kind of a, a narrative there. Uh, and again, it's, yeah, fans seem to be loving Levert. I think it's just because they just want I don't get it. I don't really get it either. Um, I think it's just a want for a move. I think that's all it is. That's That's it. it. I think
2: that's that's definitely a component to it. I think the other component is the Cavs have gotten a taste of winning. And in turn, so have their fans. And so the fans are wanting the Cavs organization to pull the trigger on a deal that works maybe in the short term, but is not necessarily in the best interest of the long-term title aspirations.
1: And I, and I will okay. just say just for one thing, like what exactly does getting care sliver? Like to me, you have to, you're going to have to go up a, like honestly, like a, an Osman and a Quoro or like an Osman and Jetty. I or I yeah. mean, uh, there's going to be a salary. And, and Colin, I'm saying, like, and I don't know if even that does it. And I I mean, I think it's, it's going to be picked, but there's probably going to be picks as well. and, not that I'm like the biggest fan of Jetty, but giving up him, Colin, and a pick for yeah, Karis, I mean, two, is, is Karis, Lebert, Karis LeVert. I mean, three rotations. Is Karis Lavert a needle mover? I mean, at this point, what, what do we need him for, I guess? Damn. I guess maybe part of it is this, though, is that you're thinking um, maybe he takes pressure off DG, uh, who does. I mean, we know he's got a lot of pressure on him. Maybe he takes some pressure off Rubio, like those two. And, or at least for this season, maybe they think solidifies a playoff team. But going forward, what what is like the like you got to look past that? And I- I'm with you guys. I-, I don't really see how that's an upgrade over Colin. I mean, this guy is not a defender either. Karis Tilford has never been a defender. Doesn't like he's a complete, like as Amadou said, ball stopping, which everyone wants to make like it being like a big deal, like another PNR guy, that's what he is. Like he's a PNR guy. He's not really like a movement shooter. I mean, he I'm not saying he can't do that at all, but that's not really his game. He's got he's going to need the ball in his hands a ton. And honestly, he's not really a passer. Like That's not this dude. So what's, what's the end game here? I mean, he's got, he's a decent passer. I mean, like, he's a decent playmaker, but the vision is, it's fine but a lot of it is just yeah before like in those career roles I had the ball in his hand so often so i don't really see the long term like how this makes you better i'm with you guys and and that's the thing to me
2: i am about if the caps are going to make any move at all whether that be including sexting including okoro uh you know anybody on the roster if it makes the Caps better, truly better, within both the short and the long term, but I'm I'm all for that. But I'm not, i have not. I don't think uh Karras Lavert trade truly moves the needle that much in that regard, if if any at all. I mean, like you said, he is 27. Isaac Okoro is 20. Colin Sexton, if I'm not mistaken, is 21, 22. They're they're closer to. <sighs> maybe not necessarily the wrong way to phrase it. I guess I'll phrase it like this. Karis LeVert to me has already peaked. Colin Sexton and Isaac Okoro have a long way to go before they've reached their primes. The NBA truly usually defined your prime is what? At the ages of 25 to 28, something like that. 25 to 29. I don't know, but Colin Sexton and Isaac Okoro are nowhere near, at least in my opinion, their true peaks. And so obviously you have the Colin contract situation coming up, and I get that. But you have to think at this point in time, what you would be giving up to acquire the services of Karis Levert would not truly be worth it in the end game. I mean we've seen flashes and semblances of potential two-way, you know, star two-way play from Isaac Okoro. and we definitely have seen Colin Sexton be able to be the primary focus of opposing defenses on night in and night out basis when he's out there and so to me Colin Sexton's game is heavily suited for playoff basketball I think that's where this team is going if they stay in put but that's not going to stop the trade rumors from continuing to pour in especially as this season wears on and the Cavs are able to win more and more games and so in the same thought line, in the same processes of thinking, I have to ask you guys about another guy that would continuously hear name, uh, his name being thrown into trade rumors, and that's one Damian Lillard. Would a Damian Lillard trade put the calves over the top? Dan, I'm going to hand this one to you first.
1: Well, I can't blame them for at least looking into it, but I guess the problem with this or to me is, like what is all that you're gonna have to give yeah. up? So, at, so at that's this point. So, that's my question for you. And you would likely the rumors about him wanting that what two year hundred seven million dollar extension. I don't love. I, I'm I'm like out on Dame for the cap. So I just I don't see see why we would do it.
2: I, I really don't. One would think that you would need to include. Not only Sexton, because you know Portland's going to want something big time in return. You're going to probably have to include a Coro. You're going to have to include Love for financing, uh, for, for financial reasons. And you're probably going to have to surrender a bevy of picks. And so yeah. there, there again is the, the, the thing that I keep alluding to. What's best for the Cavs in the short term? What's best for the Cavs in the long term? Where can they be in the middle? I truly, honestly, you know, I, I don't feel, and I, and I love Dame. Dame is awesome. Oh yeah. But I don't feel, especially at his age, Dame is 31. He does not fit the Cavs timeline. He would be substantially more expensive than a player. And I know a lot of people are going to kill me for saying this, but I think Colin Sexton is a bit of a Damian Lillard light, at least in some aspects of what he can provide. And he's nowhere near his peak. Like I said, no, I'm not saying Colin Sexton is anywhere near as good as what Damian Lillard is now. But if you look at what Damian was doing at Colin's age, it's not too different. Dame also had a pretty good, pretty good roster around him at a young age too, which, which contributed to him being able to lead Portland to the playoffs so early. But for Sexton, like, I'll, I'll, and I'll bring this back, is going to be substantially cheaper to retain. If you really break it down, we know the Cavs are going to let him test restricted free agency if he's not traded, and we know that teams around the league if they do inquire about him, they're going to lowball him. And we know that the Cavs will probably do the same. And that's just honesty. And coming off the injury the way he is, not knowing how he's going to be able to play after, what is if his play is going to be diminished, it's going to affect him any number of ways. We know the Cavs are most likely, probably going to lowball him even more than we. Some of us have already felt he has been. So he's going to be cheaper. I say all that to say that, and he is substantially younger. So I just I see it in the short term. I understand the thought process of hey the backcourt of a DG. And Dame Willard and, and, and Larry Markinen and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, that starting five probably would be awesome. I'm not going to lie about that. But you are depleting some of your bench too by giving up love, by presumably giving up a Coro. You, you, never, you never truly know what chemistry is going to look like after that. And I pose this question to you too. I'm going to ask you this in general. If Dame comes to town somehow, Who plays that CJ role, him or Garland? And
0: how does that stunt Garland's growth? Yeah, uh, this is honestly, this is definitely a good question because on one hand, you could say Dame, you know, he's, what, 31 right now. So maybe, you know, he takes on less of an offensive burden to give Garland that role. But at the same time, Garland is, what, 21? So, I mean, obviously Dame is the more elite scorer and such. It's tough, but I feel like me personally, just the way Garland has been able to see the floor, the chemistry he already has established with his teammates. And considering Dame's age, um, the kind of poor play he's had, honestly, this year, the injuries and such, I feel like Dame would have to play that CJ role and just be like a um a veteran presence or a bailout type of option. Like, for example, what we saw yesterday, or was it yesterday? I believe it was yesterday. Um and in, in the Kings game, when, you know, the going gets tough, then it's a Dame right there is someone you can lean on to, you know, get you out of those, those type of slumps that you have. So I feel I'd feel more comfortable with Garland having that Dame role, which is funny, and this, this is hypothetical, and with Dame having that CJ type role. That
2: To me, that makes complete sense because we're talking about, hey, Darius Garland is having a breakout season. He's mm-hmm. been able to thrive being able to have the ball in his hands most of the time. Exactly. Adding a guy like Dame, however good Dame is, seriously throws a wrench in the development process for the kid. So to me, I think it does more harm than good, especially if yeah. you're like a if you're a short term thinker. Like if you're thinking, hey, the Cavs can make a legitimate run at a title, which we'll get to that in a little bit. If you're thinking that. I understand the thought process behind potentially trying to acquire Dame, but to me, it all boils down to those key factors. One, how much is it going to cost the Cavs? Two, what kind of role is he going to be looking to play? And three, what is the long-term contract going to look like if he was to stay? So, I mean, Dan, Dan already alluded to the fact that the guy asked for <laughs> upwards of $50-plus plus million a season over two years. That's crazy. <laughs> and I'm not sure he would sign on. Honestly, I don't know if he would sign on to, to play long-term in Cleveland. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure he has his eye on a couple of places, but you just I, – I don't think that the Cavs, if they're going to explore a legitimate, realistic – trade option. I don't think Dame is that. I think it's not worth gutting your roster for. And honestly, that's all I have to say on that. So I'll go ahead and move on. Gentlemen, you know just how high I have been on the Cavs to begin the season. You know, I proclaimed them a potential playoff caliber team and playoff contender. Have your thought processes changed on just how far the Cavs can go, because I'm sure you've seen it and I've been killed for it a little bit on Twitter. <laughs> I do believe that this Cavs team can make a run at a title if things shake out the right way with the play that we've seen thus far. I know not having Colin Sexton is gonna hurt in a playoff scenario. And 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 I truly do believe that his game would have been really good, really, really heavily suited for playoff basketball, just being able to go out there and get buckets whenever it's necessary. But with that being said, Dan, I'll ask you this first. Has your thought process changed in that regard? And how far do you think the Cavs can make it?
1: Um, I'll say this. I, I think they definitely have, like, a good shot. I mean, I haven't looked at, like, the um, indexes in a bit. But I think there's, like, a legit shot. they a playoff, not play-in team now. Um, Based on what we've seen and and how the schedule lightens up from here significantly, obviously, Um, so have they legitimized their playoff uh, outlook? I I think, yeah, for sure. But as far as like what they can do in the playoffs, I mean, they could give a number of teams, some teams, uh, like real, like make some noise. But to me, it's just. Some of the stuff, I mean, reading through the tea leaves, like there have been other teams that have been really banged up. There have been, like the Bulls have have had like a mini COVID outbreak, so they've kind of slid a little bit. Um, you also look at the Heat. They've had a, a myriad of injuries as well. Um, I, that's why I'm going to pick them to the Cavs to kind of roll tomorrow too. But I just think in the playoffs, like you said, not having Colin really hurts. Um, it, he's made for playoff basketball when you just when it's not all about like just like getting to the rim and lobs and threes. Um, it, I'm not saying that he's like a movement shooter, but he's he's a bailout option, ultimate guy. Um, the competitor he is, and the go get a bucket guy I like that, it, and him being able to get out and run um, to kind of steal baskets at times. We're gonna miss, I think in that sort of setting, I'm just worried about guys like a coro even being a factor um, young guys. Like when the, the game slows down, um, when fouls become like getting to the free throw line, are we going to be able to do that in playoff basketball? That kind of concerns me. Um, additionally, what's a guy like Jetty going to look like in a playoff format when he really actually has to play this go around? Like, the bench
0: scope still
1: not sold on me. Well, that's a whole different animal. I'm just saying like playoff defense is different than regular season defense. Like it is a different, that's true. And also refs tend to let guys play a lot more, which could be better for the Cavs to an extent. But I just think like the Cavs are a little bit, I think looking onward are a little bit contingent on getting to the foul line and kind of getting in the open floor when they, when they can, um, and I just don't know if they're gonna be able to do that against playoff the playoff teams, um, like night to night, how like I just the other thing is teams in playoff formats, this is a young team still relatively um A and B, adjustments are very like things are a lot different early on in the series in the first two games, and from there, like going forward, like when you're playing more veteran teams and and I still look at the, the playoff picture like teams like the Hawks, um Charlotte seems legit to me. I think they're they're very scary. Um teams like the Hawks, the Celtics, it, and I'm not writing off the Raptors just yet. Like especially the Hawks and Celtics, like and like the Sixers, those are teams that have been in those situations. And I know the Celtics have their their issues, but that's not, that's a team I don't not take seriously. And I just think the Cavs there's a lot of young guys. Like, I don't know how DG is going to do if he is in his first playoff games. Like how is a going to do? Um, How's marketing going to do? There's another one. So I, I have, I have my reservations right now. I don't see them. Win, like to, to say they're winning a playoff series. I just, I just can't predict that right now.
2: Okay. That that's fair. I, I, you guys know, I don't share that same thought, but I understand it. I I do not having, truly valid reasons to believe that some of these guys will perform when the, the brightest of lights are on. So I, I definitely understand that.
1: I'm just thinking, I just think in the playoffs, teams are going to be very well prepared for them and find ways. Some of these things have also been teams are playing the Cavs, like those three bigs for like the first time. And How do you... it, it's, it, it can be a lot. It's almost like playing the Ravens. In those early Lamar times, when they just were really hard to handle in your first go round, mm-hmm. I think teams might might be able to adjust. That's just all I'm saying. I'm not writing the Cavs off just yet. I mean, it's mm-hmm. early on still, and I see where you're coming from. I'm just I'm just trying to be objective. That's all.
0: Oh
2: no, nah, dude, I, I completely understand the objective. I, I I'll say this. I think just to counter that point, I think the the Cavs present a unique challenge to me. Yeah, I think some of that, that some of that is that. Mobley is looking like a generational player. Jared Allen is taking what many to believe an all-star leap. And the Lowry-Markin experience thus far at the three has worked to some extent. So that's a very unique and tough matchups for a lot of teams who don't carry three skilled seven-footers. Um, you know, that, 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 that they can throw out there. I know there are different ways that you can counteract that. You can probably put a quick or small forward on Mobley and ask them. And, and if you're uh, not Mobley, but marketing, and if you're asking marketing to go out there and cover a speedy, uh, speedy wing out there on in playoff basketball, I, I don't know how successful the Cavs are going to look in that regard. You're going to ask probably somebody with the a bigger body to go out there and play physical on Evan Mobley. And Jared Allen is really the only guy that I would think could possibly be able to adjust in that regard, just because I think that his game, the way that he plays being such a a lob threat (laughs) to me, it's hard to stop. We've seen, we've seen bigs like true standards out there, try and stop Jared Allen. And, you know, especially within the pick and roll. And it's been very difficult for them to do. Um, I, I don't know how much adjusting certain teams are going to be able to rely. On. I think this is certainly going to be matchup dependent common playoff basketball as most of the time it is. Sometimes it's not necessarily about how good that team is. Sometimes it's who can they put out there? Uh, just, just matchup basketball come the playoffs. Uh, but I'm going to do, man, I'm going to ask you, do you What is your, what is your thought process at this point in time? How far do you think the caps can get if they keep
0: playing like this? Honestly, playing like this, I feel like the team can win a playoff series, you know, depending of course how the standing shape up. If we go against a team like Miami Miami, you know, maybe like like even like a Sixer, the Sixers, I feel like we can beat them. And I mean, for me, I just can't I can't ever count anybody out again, especially considering the, like, the <laughs> Hawks were able to do last year. I mean, come on, nobody expected them to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I nobody. Right now, who expected the Knicks to do as well? Exactly. Like teams make jumps, you know, and the NBA is as wide open as it's ever been in in years. I mean, it's just also with the COVID thing and injuries and such, we never know what's going to happen. And I mean, it'll be tough. Honestly, it'll be tough. Um, I'm definitely interested to see if they do make the playoffs, how they fare. Because like Dan alluded to, you know, guys like Garland and Coro and Mark and playing their first, you know, playoff basketball, how will they fare? And also, like you said, the game slows down. You know, certain things that might be fouls in the regular season aren't fouls in the playoffs. And teams are obviously going to adjust. You know, you're playing a team in a seven game series that they're going to make adjustments game by game. But they're going to do things for a starting lineup, do things to the rotation to better their chances in winning. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I definitely feel as of right now, with the level of defense they're playing, as long as Garland keeps up this play and, and guys continue to hit shots, that's obviously a big stink on playoff time. I. Do feel like we can win a playoff
2: series? Let me ask you this: Who is Cleveland's nightmare matchup come playoffs?
0: Nightmare matchup. Hmm. If I had to say one team, I won't even say the Nets because I feel like that's an obvious answer. <laughs> just because even if Kyrie, you can back, say the Nets. I mean, because that's that, that, they're a nightmare matchup for a lot of teams. Let's
2: be honest. You think so? I mean, for, for at least in the East, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. Of course. If Kyrie is there, I'll say that. If Kyrie is there and they're healthy. Which is never the a given. If Kyrie is there
0: and it's healthy, I, I think it's still the Bucks. Just because the Bucks are really the only other team in the East that can compete with their size. Of course, with Giannis and Brooke Lopez when he returns. And I mean... Jesus, did, did you guys see Giannis's block on Okoro a few games bad, back? Like, cool. He's, cool. he's disgusting. He's disgusting. Of, of course, they're defending champs. Drew Holiday is one of the best, if not the best, player, up defending DG. guard in, in, in the league. I mean... They're, they're
1: definitely my nightmare matchup for us. Uh, I, I'm going to go with, I mean, I guess it's not really like a hot take, but honestly, to me, I, I buy the Bulls. I, I think they're, they could really give the Nets a buck. I don't. Real, 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 problem, or real problems, but like the, the Bulls, when they have their full complement of perimeter guys, um, I, I, again, I'm not saying that Alex Caruso is like God or anything. But him not playing in that game, De, the way DeRozan is playing, like those two, the pressure that Lonzo can put on uh, uh, defensively, like him and Caruso, I think could be kind of nightmarish for offense for stretches. I, I like without Colin in there, like they definitely scare me going forward. Um, and I, I bought like I know Vucevic wasn't necessarily great against him, like the last time we played, but. Again, they were very depleted. And even a guy like Javante Green, I, I think he could have really given us problems defensively as well. Like they are their pressure defense, like they're one of the few defenses that is based on like really good based on perimeter defense. And I, I just they they really scare me. I gotta tell you. like Mark, like the way they can pressure him it it could really like disrupt our our offense if they're healthy. like, that that one really scares me a lot. I got to tell you. Speaking speaking of the Bulls, I mean,
0: on their offensive side too, the biggest thing is they have those tough shot makers that you know if it gets down to the nitty gritty, exactly. Zach Levine, I mean, hey, Markieff. Well, we shut that down. Okay, we <laughs> definitely saw it. did. Definitely did. But I mean, those those guys are, are disgusting. That's true. I
2: mean, I'm not ragging on the Bulls, but I do. I, I will say this: I am not afraid of them. Given their their health issues i understand it you know covid notwithstanding things of that nature i do get it they're going to be one probably one of the top four teams in the east if not top six um i just can i, can I just
1: ask one thing either you guys sure are you do the charlotte hornets scare you at all I'm not curious. not
2: in
0: one not one bit bro not one bit really okay I mean, they do okay. have, I believe, the, the NBA's best offense, but with how our defense is playing, I, uh, and nobody's offense really scares
1: us. Yeah, me, to be honest. I think the defense really—they're <laughs> a great really lead pass out. team, though. I love watching them play. Yes, like they—they're—they're—they're they, they're, fun, they're, they're fun. That would be an awesome playoff series between us two. I'm—we mean, might get that, Dan. We, 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 we might get that. I mean, and it's our our co-editor awesome. Josh, Josh—that'd be a good uh, good matchup. That's like his kind of home team. I don't know if it's his team, but that's, uh, that'd be fun. Okay. Yeah, certainly.
2: I, I mean, I can't, can't shy away from that. Honestly, the only team within the Eastern conference that truly puts, you know, a little bit of scare into me is Milwaukee. Um, I think the length that Cleveland is able to present is, is at least a problem and a challenge in some regards for Brooklyn. I know they have the shot makers and that's, that's a tough thing to navigate. But just with what this team has been able to do defensively, not very many teams really scare me, Uh, at least at this point. I know as things start to slow down, Um, it's definitely going to be a different type of atmosphere for for such an inexperienced and young team to navigate. But uh, I'm feeling really good about this team. You guys know how I feel. Um, I've generally been high on them in my I don't have expectations. So, you know, I'll clear that up for for the listeners. I do not have expectations for the Cavaliers to win a national award, <laughs> to win a title this season. However, I think with with the, the way that they've been playing, if it continues, health notwithstanding, I think that there's a chance. Some we all know that titles just oftentimes take a little bit of luck too. There, there's a lot of different components into what goes into winning a championship in the NBA. But I think with what the Cavs are able to do, the generational talent, apparently that we have on our hands in Mobley, the, the rise of Darius Garland, the all-star jump of Jared Allen, the <laughs> return to form for, and I don't even know if it's a return to form. I think it's really a career season in a lot of aspects for Jetty Osmond. You have Kevin Love, who looks renewed, reinvigorated and is thriving in his new role off the bench. And I and I, lo- I know a lot of people like to think of him as a front runner, but uh, hell, if Kevin keeps playing like this, I'm I'm not so certain he doesn't retire the Cavalier. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But they have me feeling really good. But the next question that I wanted to ask you fellas was one, and I'll hand this off to Amadou first.
0: Who is most vital to Cleveland's success right now? hmm that's definitely a great question um
2: because we, we we know we know that dg is like the the man running the show But mm-hmm. we also yeah. have seen how poorly the team can function when they don't have evan mobley out there
0: mm-hmm. even even though i mean i I still have to say darius garland because his ability to just score the ball shoot from from essentially anyone the court and facilitate i mean he's 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 done it all, and especially how he's been able to play without, you know, that secondary ball handler, you know, this the secondary consistent shot maker in Colin Sexton. It's 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 been some tough going sometimes, but he's he's been able to to be timid and have those games that just just say, Wow, man, he's an all-star. And I mean, I understand the defense has has been amazing, but I mean Defense doesn't really matter if you can't score. And the Cavs are scoring in bunches. I mean, you yeah. talk about the numbers they're putting up on the offensive end over the last couple of games. It's it's, it's crazy. So i I have, to, I have to say, as of right now, the most impactful player is definitely Garland. Yeah, and I agree. And and DG
2: has been sneaky good on defense and in yes. some aspects, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's he's a bit of an opportunist. Uh, I, mean, I mean, there's a bit of a cap to what he's able to provide, being at his size. But he's played a lot better than I expected him to do on the defensive end. Dan, how you thinking? Who who is the most vital person to Cleveland's success
0: right now?
1: Yeah, to me, it's uh, you guys make valid points with DG. Um, he's he's really come on. Has been huge for us. Um, that that leap is definitely real. It seems, but I, I have to go with Mobley. I mean, I understand he's a rookie, but uh, when he Missed those games. Um, he, it, he it was just apparent. Yeah, it was apparent. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it, it is to me. And I mean, he's been, I, I believe, at worst, like has always been like in among qualified players, basically right near the top in opponent field goal percentage at the rim. Which the new the challenges little, with the little, uh, I mean, the minimal fouls he's had has been phenomenal. Um, just what he's able to do. I mean, even for being thin, just t- how he holds up when he has to, um, that block on Zach Levine is unbelievable. <laughs> so I mean, that he might just, be the best block crazy. we see all season. He just, he just took his soul. And it, to me, I think he blocked like, Zach like two or three times in that game. Too. I think he did. Yeah. Cause Jared Allen was saying like wrong guy or whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, to me, like it's, it's gotta be mobiley. Um, you look at the net rating; is has been seven point three, which is so, unreal for a rookie at this point. Um, and w- he's a really good passer. Whenever there's an obviously like a, a pass, whether we see it uh, on TV or not, or if you're at the game, like he's going to make it. Um, comes up with timely plays through, through just his IQ um, and. Defensively, he just frees up other us to do other stuff, and his ability to get basically stocks or deflections is allows us to get out and run, get get those big momentum swings. So to me, it's it's him right now. It's not totally clear as between that and Jared Allen, but I'm going with him by a little bit.
2: Okay, I can
1: definitely understand that,
2: and I'll give him the. uh I'll give him his fair share in regards to his importance to their success. I think he is definitely if you're if you're not going to select Garland for number 1, I'd say it's a good it's a good 1A to 1B in that regard. For Jared Allen, you know, for his case to me, I think due to the fact that Mobley is able to do just a bit more on the offensive end, that gives him the the edge. And let's let's not kid ourselves here. The entire reason why Laurie marketing at the three works is because of Evan Mobley and <clears throat> what he is able to provide and, and, clean up for, for marketing. But my last question of the day for you fellas is one that I, I truly don't have an answer for myself. So I'm kind of looking for some, some clarity on this. Should the Cavs really look to extend Ricky? And and what length would you go to, to do it in regards to salary in years?
1: Dan, I'm gonna go you first. Yeah, I'm actually very curious about your Amadou first. I'm gonna let him go first, you don't mind. No problem. Amadou, what say you?
0: And uh it, it definitely is a tough question. I mean
2: and and uh, before you answer, I I'm sorry. This is no, the reason why this has been so difficult for me to ponder myself is because I love what Rubio brings to the table from a leadership standpoint. I love that he, he is probably still the best facilitator on the team. DG is definitely hot on his heels. But I don't know if it's just due to the to necessity, but <laughs> even some of the shots that he makes looks like they should be misses. Uh my pro my only problem with Rubio is that. In my opinion, at least at this point in time, he is being overutilized in a certain sense in regards to those shots. So it it, it kind of puts a damper on me on on whether or not and how much I would want to re-sign Ricky for. And obviously, I want him to stay with the team, but I think this really comes down to the financial aspect of things. We we obviously know that the Cavaliers needed a true backup point guard, right? And Ricky Rubio fits that mold. To a T. I don't. I don't know if there are going to be too many guys available, you know, that can play the same type of role that would play it at the level that he does. But this is this is all going to come down to dollars and cents. So that that's what's so tough, uh, you know, for me to, to answer
0: a question like that. But I'm gonna do. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's it's definitely a difficult question because there's many factors that come into it. First off, he's a vet. You know, a veteran point guard of that caliber, many, many teams are going to be able to, to look to Adam to potentially make another jump. And I feel like if he has that extra security at potentially winning a championship, he may look to take a pay cut with another team rather than the Cavs for one and two. Does he want to continue to be a backup for, you know, however many years he resounds for the team? That's a question that you have to ask. Now on the flip side, if I'm the Cavs, Ricky's been the best backup point guard we've had since God knows how long. I mean, I mean, probably year.
2: since. Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, like
0: I, I don't know. That's a hard yes, question to answer. So, a fantastic trade, a fantastic move by Kobe on. I mean, you talk about last year we were we were having the the corpse of Matthew Dellavedova and Damian Dotson, you know, get rid of card minutes for us. Like, yeah, Damn. like. I mean, like, he, he was definitely a shell of himself coming back from that injury. It was tough last year. And I just, I, I don't want to go back to that. I mean, guys, you know, Darius Garland and collins were able to, you know, make make do of what they had, you know, regarding those other guards. But, I mean, we just see it, especially last game. I just keep going back to last game. But, I mean, in those moments where you need a veteran to, you know, help you win that game, Ricky stepped up. You know, he stepped up. He's having a fantastic year. You know, career high in points um, in his shooting I, don't, I feel like if you have to resign him, you do so. I think personally, if I have to hand him a contract, a two year, twenty million, two dollar, year, maybe even $25 million is definitely what I'd give him. Do no you think he'd settle for center. that? I mean, I don't know if he's expecting to get the, the 15 to 20 million because it's like, Who's really going to offer him that? I'm not sure how much money each team has, but there's not a lot of cap space, and yeah, or there's exactly. at
2: least there's not a lot of teams that will have cap space this upcoming free agency.
0: Exactly, but it's also tough because that that twenty million dollar for your contract. I'm pretty sure that's a contract he got with the Suns or the Jazz, one or the other. And he's having a career year now, so I mean, you got to think he's going like more. Yes, yeah, so I, I I don't know. I feel like he, he could settle that, just considering his age and other factors and stuff. But I feel like if you have the chance to resign them, you definitely do if you're Cleveland.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Dan, how you feeling about this? What, I guess really my only, like I was saying, my, my true, my my true talking point in regards to this is it all comes down to finances with retaining Rubio, at least on the Cavs. And we know that Rubio is probably going to have his fair share of suitors heading into free agency, we know that he he could potentially opt to take less money to play for a quote unquote true contender, uh, but all options are still on the table for him.
1: Uh, how much
2: money would you be willing to pay Rubio, Dan?
1: Yeah, I'm with Hamidou. I think just I guess they'd have his bird rights if he were to. I mean that them not to make a decision um, prior to the off season, but um. I'd probably go maybe if they had to a little bit over the mid, uh, non taxpayer mid level. Um, I'm with Hamadou like two for 20 in that realm. I think seems reasonable. I wouldn't go three years, but, um, I just think, yeah, with what he's been able to provide, um, he's, he's been invaluable for us, but I, I think part of it might have been, um, Maybe before he just didn't have the confidence or either that or didn't have the green light to um, kind of be a shooter more, but that could be um, true. It, I mean, it just, I, I can't be alone in thinking this. It is an ugly
2: ass shot, but it makes, he makes them. He makes, it's so weird, especially some of these like one footed lay, uh, one footed jump shots. it
1: It's crazy. I'm not going to lie. I kind of respect that because that's kind of like, that's kind of a go-to shot for me, like the the like long-legged kind of shot, actually. It's at not time, the shot it's, itself. It's the form. <laughs> it's yeah, the shooting yeah. form to me. But that's that's like his... Re- but he's a pull-up guy. Like, before in his career, like, some of those things... Like, those have been his shots. Like, pull-up, kind of awkward, at times, wrong-legged shots. That's what he does. You saw DG hit one of those the other day. Oh, that was sick. That thing was... Ugh. Well, that 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 was pretty. That was not ugly. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I can't say that extensive right now. Um, just because I, I don't want to get into like Garland ex, extension, but there's that potentially. Um, also with Colin, I, I I like to keep Colin around, so I'd probably go to in Amadou's range there. But and the other thing is with Rubio. Yes, he's, he's had the, the stats, sure, like from a scoring standpoint, but he's also got to realize, like, Collins been out and they've given him like an ultimate green light. So he's got to be a little bit objective there. So, and it has been streaky. I mean, he's definitely come, fallen down to earth, but, um, yeah, I, I think they got to, it'd be good to keep him around. I mean, if they want to extend him, maybe in season, okay. Uh, uh however, I just, I don't really think teams are going to be offering him more than what I do And I suggested really um, just because if they were, who knows, I, I don't given that the reports he was not wanting to be in like this kind of situation before we knew it was going to play out. I don't think he'd want to go to a team that would pay him that from, because it probably would be a bad team. He would think. So I, I think if this season, like you, you make a playoff run look legit, I think he really would want to be here and he seems like he wants to be. So that's what I would go with. That's also another big thing for me. I mean, yeah, Cleveland is going to be 32. Does he want to like start over again? And he basically said before the season, he was sick of being traded over and over. Mm -hmm. So would he want to go to another team and move his family again, I don't think so. That's just my, my thought that's fair yeah. that's that's
2: totally fair and, and, and listeners make no mistake I do want to retain the services of Ricky Rubio it just to, to me it, it does boil down to how much money the Cavs will be looking to hand him with the looming contract extension of Colin Sexton if he's still on the roster coming into the season the, the future extension as Dan alluded to to Darius Garland and, you know, dude, you still have Kevin Love on the books. You're, you, you just paid Jared Allen. There's a lot of components here to, to think about in regards to pretty much all of these contracts moving forward. Uh, but with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close out today's episode. As I always tell you guys, you can reach out to me if you want to at cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. And if you're not a subscriber on YouTube, you are seriously missing out. Please go and hit that like and subscribe button and have a good day.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.